change around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Podski Wee I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. What? I don't even know what to say. Uh, this is not the show I expected to be doing this week. We put this off for as long as we could. There was no hurry on either of our parts to sit down and talk about this. I told Mike off off Mike that that which is a weird thing to say. I told Mike off Mike. I think this is going to be our least listened to episode to date. Uh, I mean, if you're listening, you know what happened on Sunday in the Grey Cup. Ticats got absolutely pounded, 33-12 to 12 by the Bombers. Uh, congratulations to Winnipeg on ending their 29-year championship drought. And boo to us now, Mike. We have the longest drought, championship-less drought in the CFL. That, uh, that does not feel good. It does not. 20-plus uh, years now. Um, it was... Disappointing to say the least. Um, I'm still not really over it yet. I know it's just sports and life goes on, but man, that was that was tough to watch. I'd, obviously, there were such high expectations from from all of Ticat fandom. I mean, I was at the Grey Cup and we were talking about when we win because people were telling me, "Oh, you have to go to the game because when we win, you know, it, it's going to be a great celebration and all this." I didn't end up going. Um, you know, I just didn't. I couldn't spend the extra money on a ticket, and uh, I'm I'm glad I didn't end up going because that would have been even more disappointing to be there in the crowd. Yeah, it just felt like I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't our night. I think is the is the best way to put it. They chose the absolute worst moment to have their worst game of the season, and this was by far their worst performance of the year. They scored 12 points, which is the fewest they've ever scored in a game this year. They allowed 33, which was on the, I believe that was the second most points they allowed, maybe third most points they allowed in a game this year. It's This went entirely the opposite way that you would have expected heading into the game. And I don't know about you, I didn't, I didn't take a ton of chirps after the game, despite being very, uh, Hamilton's going to win this game. And, and. Knowing what happened in the game, I would have made all those same comments going into the game because there was no reason to believe that this game was going to turn out this way. But they got dominated along the offensive line. Dane Evans played maybe his worst game as a starting quarterback. And some of that obviously has to do with the fact that he had very little time to make plays. Brandon Banks gets injured. It seems like the defense... Felt like as the ball started rolling in Winnipeg's favor, the defense started to try to do too much, and they were over-pursuing, and you texted me about the 2nd and 27 draw play that reminded you of the 2013 Grey Cup that Winnipeg 
in 2013. Saskatchewan picked up. And this is what Winnipeg picked up, and it just felt like everything they had done all year, they just didn't do in this. They didn't protect a quarterback. They didn't win either lines of scrimmage. They got their asses kicked. It's as simple as that. Yeah, they, they truly did. Uh, you know, it didn't start off well. Well, it did start off well. They had they gave Terrell Sutton a, a run. He had nine yards and then gained a first down. And then there was that interception on the third play from scrimmage that I thought Jalen Acklin should have caught. Um, things happen. It bounced off his hands right to uh, Alexander for the interception. And, you know, it was, it was pretty much downhill from there. It was not... Um, a pretty game to watch for the Tiger Cats. Like you mentioned, the the offensive line was dominated all game, it seemed, especially on the outside from guys like Willie Jefferson. Um, he, he had a hell of a game. You know, I was praising the, the tackles of this team all season long, and, you know, I wasn't wrong. They were tremendous all year, and it just, it just kind of fell apart on this night. So you're right. They picked the worst possible time to uh, crap the bed, and I was at the Tiger Cats party, uh, rally the night before and you'd think the whole team was on stage uh, partying but it was just the players that weren't playing but uh, it seemed like they were out drinking until about 2 a.m the night before yeah it's I, I think people are going to use this as sort of a referendum on the tie cat season and be like well look they got plastered in the gray cup and they weren't that good and blah 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 and i, I don't buy that narrative i think that that's we've seen <clears throat> pardon me We've seen how many times the favorite team go into a situation like this and just get beat. We saw it recently with Calgary. They were like, there, there's no debate that over the last 10 years, the Calgary Stampeders have been the best team in the CFL pretty much since the end of the Calvillo run. It's been the stamps that have been on top of the world. And over the last 11 seasons, they have uh, what three great cup championships, six appearances, like good teams. They lost to an under 500 Red Blacks team. They lost to a 9-9 Argos team. You see underdogs win championships, especially in football, when it's one game and it's over. The New York Giants, probably the most famous upset in in championship history. The New York Giants beating the then-undefeated New England Patriots to win a Super Bowl. It, It happens. And you go into these games and you think, no, there, there's no way this this should happen. I'm sure Stamps fans thought that the, a couple of years before the la, they won last year. There's no way we're going to lose. There's no way we're going to lose. And you know we made fun of them. And you got kind of got it when you're that good and you and you crap the bed like you said in a situation like this. You kind of got to take take the slings and arrows that come with it. But at the same time, and this might not be a popular thing to say, I still think the Ticats were the best team in the CFL in 2019. They didn't win the championship, but that doesn't negate the 16 wins out of 19 games that came before it. They're not going to be remembered. They're not going to be put up on the list of all-time great teams because they didn't win a championship. But just because they lose one game doesn't take away all the stuff that they did all year. I think they just got into a game like this, and Winnipeg just played better. It's it's really – I don't think it's anything more complex than that. Plays were there to be made. Winnipeg made them. Hamilton didn't. Um does this game change if Mike Jones makes that catch on the on the bomb from Dane Evans and sets him up at like the two-yard line? Maybe. Does this game change if Brandon Banks doesn't get hurt, if the interceptions don't happen, if the fumble – like 
every play <laughs> and, and to their credit every play went winnipeg's way but they earned that you know like i'm not saying they got lucky they earned that you reverse yeah. a couple of those and, plays maybe it's a different outcome or maybe it's at least the yeah. game's closer you know what i mean yeah exactly it may, if we get you know we lost the ball on two third down and short conversions when I mean, they had never done that all year they were perfect right? literally perfect on third and short situations and in the great cup they go over two i just couldn't believe it it's like god you just i mean the, i think the second one was a little bit longer it might have been an actual yard i think it was longer than the first one but my goodness that was that was very disappointing for an offensive line who has been pushing the pile all season long getting that first down it's just it's inexplicable. It just—it's it, a really big head scratcher that you know. I think we had four turnovers in like the first half, or maybe even five. So, you know, you you create—I mean, you give away that many turnovers early on, and, and it's going to be tough to come back. And obviously, it was. Yeah, the, this Ticats team playing the way they did in the Grey Cup wouldn't have beat the Red Blacks this year. You don't turn over the yeah. ball seven times. Now, to be fair, and this is not to be fair, but I just want to make it known: the last two of those turnovers, the game was already in hand. Like, I think it was a turnover on downs and maybe a fumble. But the game was it was already well over. The Bombers were going to win. They still count, but they're not. I think one was like on a fourth or a, sorry, a third and like nine or something. And it was an incomplete pass and the Bombers got the ball. And I think on the very next drive, the Bombers turned the ball over on downs because they were just trying to ice the game. You know, like the game was over. But still, seven turnovers in one game. You're not winning any football game if you turn the ball over that much. No, definitely not. I mean, that's. That's outrageously bad. Um, I don't know, man. It's like this is the third Grey Cup we've watched in recent years that they've lost. And, you know, it was kind of similar to the first one that we watched against Saskatchewan, um, a blowout. Uh, now, we, we, we going into that Saskatchewan game where our expectations were tempered, right? I mean, you know, we, we basically expected we're, they're not going to win this game. This one... We thought they would win, so it's a little bit more, you know, heartbreaking. Um, hopefully, we can get back to, to next year's Grey Cup and, you know, make it a little closer, like the one that we had in Calgary, and possibly win the damn thing because, you know, uh, this whole fan base is hurting for for a Grey Cup victory. And like you said earlier, congratulations to the Blue Bombers. You know, if it wasn't the Tiger Cats, I'm glad it was them that won the Grey Cup. It's they have great fans out there. I, I was happy to see. You know, you don't really see um, cities celebrate in the streets when they win the Grey Cup, aside from maybe like Saskatchewan. So that, that was a nice thing to see the, the fans go to the street and celebrate the Grey Cup victory. Um, but yeah, it's still very heartbreaking for, for us as Ticat fans. But, you know, on to next year, I guess. Yeah, and I wrote this on my post-game piece for Three Down, and I'll, and I'll say it here. This... Okay, I'm not going to say the loss didn't bother me because whenever you cheer for a team and they lose, it sucks. Uh, to lose in this fashion on the biggest stage also sucks. But I, by about halftime, had already sort of in my mind said, they're, they're not winning this one. It's, it's not their day. And then I started more looking towards the future and thinking, this feels more like a team at the beginning of their – like this feels like Calgary in – 2012 more than it feels like Calgary in 2018 like Calgary last year felt like that was sort of the end of an era uh Bo Levi Mitchell was potentially leaving he comes back obviously 
Um, but you see Alex Singleton left. Uh, you saw guys like Bakari Grant, Emmanuel Davis, two ex-Ticats that were on that team that have since retired. Uh, a slew of players, some of which came to Hamilton, like Jagarit Davis, Tunde Delike, leaving Calgary. Like it, That felt more like the end of an era, and that was sort of a capper on this great run that they had had. Whereas if you go back to the one they lost against the Argos in, in 2012, that felt like they were kind of holding on to the vestiges of that team that won in 08. But there was signs there. John Cornish had started to take on a bigger role in the offense. They had, they thought they had their guy in Drew Tate, but really they had their guy in Bo Levi Mitchell. Like it felt more. That one was a disappointing one because Calgary went into that game also as a as a heavy favorite, if I'm not mistaken. I think they had finished second in the West and won like 12 games, and we're going up against again another nine and nine Argos team. But everyone was like, "Oh, it's in Toronto, so you know you got to give blah 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 blah." Ricky Ray's first year, all that good stuff. I feel like this Ticats team in 2019 is similar to that 2012 team in that it's the beginning of them being a juggernaut. Uh, if you look at some of the, the the past two dynasties in the CFL for me is Calgary and Montreal, the Calvillo Alouettes. Calvillo Alouettes suffered numerous setbacks, especially in East. Like I know he didn't start the two East finals against Hamilton, but Calvillo was on those teams. Then the next year they get to the Grey Cup. And they lose to an under 500 BC Lions team. The following year, I believe they lose in the East Final, maybe even the East Semifinal. Yeah, I think it was the East Semifinal because I think the, the Ticats lost the Bombers in the East Final. So they lose in the East Semifinal. And it's, I think, I seem to recall people going, okay, like, is this team ever going to get over the hump? Very next year, boom, they take on Edmonton in the Grey Cup and they win it all. That's what this sort of feels like here. This feels like a team that maybe overachieved a little bit this year, but that the pieces are there and that they're still relatively young enough. Let's say they go with Dane Evans as long haul. He's a 26 year old quarterback. He's got based on longevity in the CFL, perhaps another 15 years left in his career. If he goes until he's in his late thirties, they have got Brandon Banks is only 31. Simone Lawrence is 30. Like those aren't guys. Yeah. They're, they're closer to the end in the beginning, but those aren't guys that are long in the tooth and will be gone. They have a young offensive line. They have young defensive back. Like this is still a relatively young team that I feel is at the beginning of sort of a run of dominance versus a team that would look as looks like, for instance, you brought up the 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That was a one and done team, essentially. I know that they started the season pretty hot the year after, and then Darian Durant got hurt, and then it kind of fell apart from there. But that was really a team that was brought together to win that year not with, without a long-term vision in place. You look at the Ticats, young coaching staff, young players, as, as disheartening as the loss was, I don't think we're going another 20 years before we see this team win. And, and quite frankly, going into next season, I'd peg them as the favorites to win the whole thing. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Um, uh, barring, you know, mass exodus from players and coaches, which I don't see. I know there's a lot of free agents, but there's a lot of free agents on every single team. And there's going to be a lot of players that want to come back to play for this Hamilton Tiger Cats team, to play for, for coach Orlando Steinhauer. Um, I know he has a great relationship with the players. Um, you know, we heard today that Tommy Condell is going to be coming back. We won't get into that too uh, specifically, but that's, that's good news um, for the offense, obviously. Yeah, I think, I think that uh, there's, a ton of building blocks. I think the scouting department has done a, a tremendous job with the Canadian talent, as we talked about a lot over the last couple of years on this podcast. Um, so, so yeah, the 
you know, 15 and three, maybe we're not uh, as good a record in the regular season next year, which would be fine. I mean, 15 to three is outstanding. Um, uh, but I think we will be in the mix, obviously, and I think we'll be battling it out with uh, a team like Montreal next year, which I think will probably be improved. But, uh, yes, I agree, we will definitely be the favorite in the East. There's no question about that, and maybe even the favorite in the whole league. Obviously, you brought up potential free agents. That will obviously change the dynamic of everything. So this is kind of a where we stand right now prediction for me, more so than where we'll be in May when training camp gets started. But I see no reason why this team can't be a perennial, for the next half decade at least, a perennial 12-plus win team. 15-3 and is a pipe. Like, you're not going to go 15-3 and every year. Uh, They they won close games. They made, like, they they won a lot of close games this year that in other years don't go their way. And if if they don't go their way in some years' path, maybe they go 11-7, and maybe they go 12-6. and You know what I mean? Um, But I look at this team, and I think there's no reason why this team can't be a double-digit win team. I think this coaching staff is – there could be some changes coming. Mark Washington is is potentially interviewing for the three vacancies. Uh, There's rumblings that Jeff Reinbold might be leaving to go to the XFL. And we're going to – we're mostly – so just so everyone knows, we're mostly going to cover the Grey Cup and kind of the year in review here this week. And then next week, we're going to come back and kind of talk about all the news that's happened because I just didn't really want to do a three-hour podcast, quite frankly, with all the stuff that we're going to have to talk about because there's been a lot of news coming out in the CFL and for the Ticats since the Grey Cup ended. But as we sit here right now, I think that there's no reason to believe that the Ticats can't be in the conversation, if not the lead dog, as the team to beat going into next year. Yes, the Alouettes are going to be improved. You, you can never count out a handful of those teams out West. The, maybe the Argos improve with pinball running the show. Who knows what happens in Ottawa? Like, there's a lot of question marks, obviously, that still need to be decided. But if Hamilton can keep their core intact, and with the people running the show, Sean Burke, Drew Alamang, those guys, Drew Alamang knows how to draft Canadian players. Look at the number of Canadians that we have starting on this team that the Ticats drafted themselves, almost their entire interior offensive line, their starting tailback. Uh, we have a, a young Canadian, young Hamiltonian and Jesse Gibbon in the pipeline ready to take over when, when it's time. They, get, they got two first-round picks, thanks to the Johnny Manziel trade, in the next two drafts, which do you use those picks to trade for a player? You know what I mean? Or do you do you take those guys and, and stockpile the cupboard? Like, there's no reason to believe that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to go from 15-3 and three and then drop to 9-9 nine and nine next year. The expectations are high as far as I'm concerned. I think the expectations should be high. And I think anything less than 11 or 12 wins next year and a return trip to the East final, hosting the East final, I think would be a major disappointment. Absolutely. They, they, they have to be considered the, the favorite in the East, you know, they just based on their performance this year. Um, I hope you're right, man. I really do. I was about to be on the uh, pessimistic, Mystic role, you know, go uh, think that there's going to be a, a big drop off next year, but uh, you know, I, I just, I just can't see that happening with this, uh, with this core. I mean, Dane Evans is going to be back. I, hopefully, Mazzoli's back. All the, all the key pieces we get back, and uh, we can make another run at this. It just, it sucks to come all this way and then be disappointed in the last game. But you know, life goes on, and. On to next season, and then uh, let, let's get the you know this train rolling again. I mean, 
we have a good shot, man. I think we do. I, I think it's going to be another fun season of uh, doing podcasts, talking about Ticats wins. The way I look at it is I would much rather have the team lose in the Grey Cup than be out of the playoffs by the end of September. Like the yeah. year, that, that 2017 year was abysmal for us to talk about. How many times did we have to try to gussy up a turd of a loss in that 0-8 start? And then things started to look decent when June Jones took over, but it was still a lost season. They still played the final three games of that year with nothing to play for. That was – that's not fun. I Give me I – would, I would rather them lose by three touchdowns in the Grey Cup than ever deal with that because at least it meant we were engaged until the very last possible moment. And as a mm-hmm. fan of teams who tend to lose a lot of championship games, there was one year, I think it was – yeah, I think it was 2013 where like every team, football team that I cheered for – lost in the championship game at Notre Dame lost to Alabama Hamilton lost to Saskatchewan and San Francisco lost to Baltimore and it sucked because it's like oh my god talk about getting hit with daggers but at the end of the day give me my team in any sport getting to a championship game because you're engaged and involved to the very end I'm, I'm okay with that I don't like losing I didn't like when we lost to Montreal this year. I didn't like when we lost to Calgary this year. I didn't like when we lost to Saskatchewan this year. And I definitely didn't like when we lost to Winnipeg. But give me a Grey Cup loss every year over what we suffered in in 2017. Like, if you're a Red Blacks fan this year, would you trade what happened to the Ticats for what happened to you? I would. If you're the Argos, would you do it? Pretty much every team aside from Winnipeg, I think, would trade – their season for Hamilton's and yeah, there's no silver medals in professional sports. And yes, they LOL, they lost again in the gray cup and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, man, give me a championship title loss over no playoffs at all. Cause no playoffs at all is just miserable. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's, it's maybe a little bit worse for me just because, you know, the Ticats lost and then, uh, I'm dealing with this uh, Grey Cup flu as well, so maybe oh. I'm just down in the dumps a little bit because of that as well. But I think I'm starting to get over it, and uh, you know I don't sound the best right now, but uh, <coughs> well, but, we appreciate uh, you pounding through, Mike. Yes, yes, I, I I do my best. We put it off, you know, as long as we could. We didn't want to go any any longer, really. I mean, it's Saturday, the Saturday after the Grey Cup, so it was time, and um, we got down to business. So how was your week out in Calgary after we last spoke on Friday? Did, what, what other sorts of shenanigans did you get into? I, I, let's, we're done talking about the game. It's, okay, yeah. There's no Potsky player of the week. There's, no, there's nothing good to talk about this performance. We're done with this. I'm curious, Mike. I saw some pictures out there. You ran into some guys wearing some of our shirts, which I thought was super cool. How, how was your time in Calgary? Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was a tremendous time. Um, I thought the festival was really well done this year. Everything was close together um, in the convention center, so you go from party to party. I bought a, a new Ticat. I was um, I was wandering around the convention center. I went up to the Grey Cup store. I was just going to peruse around, and um, I saw that Ticat's hat with the Canadian flag on the side. And oh, yeah, I re- yeah. I really wanted that hat, so I had to buy it right away. Uh, got that, so I was happy with that. Um my favorite part of the weekend was the 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 Ty Cats rally. It was um, it was at Cowboys Casino 
uh, Cowboys dance hall inside Cowboys casino. And it was just a little different from everything else. You know, the convention center, each party kind of felt the same because it was, you know, big hallways or whatever, and big convention center um, halls. So, it, you know, it was fun there. It was great, but everything felt the same. The Ticat rally felt different. It was in a bar, um, you know, just a, a little bit different feeling. And it, it was a great time. All the cheerleaders were there doing their routines. And the, there was players on the stage, including guys like Jeremiah Mazzoli and uh, Adrian Tracy. And they were getting lit, let me tell you that. Uh, a lot of those <laughs> cats were, were having a good time. Luckily, they weren't playing the next day. But it, it was just a, um, you know, just a gathering of, of Ticat fans, a lot of optimism. It was a, it was a ton of fun. So, you know, overall the, the, the festival was a absolute great time. I had a great time at the, uh, CFL, it, you know, the CFL fights cancer event was great, but, uh, and this is a good thing. Um, it was packed. Uh, I couldn't, you know, get anything to eat in there. I couldn't get anything to drink. So I kind of just stood back and watched the whole thing happen. Uh, which was a little different from last year, as you know. It was in a, a a bigger bar, which we could sit down and enjoy ourselves. But they raised a ton of money, so I'm not complaining about that at all. It was a great event. Um, but yeah, just overall, it was it was a really really good time. And I met those guys. I know Jason personally, who had the uh, Oski Wee Wee MF shirt, so it was nice to see him. And then I met Troy, one of our followers. Really nice dude. Met him and his girlfriend. He was wearing the. Uh, Oski Wee Wee MF shirt says he listens to the show all the time. So shout out to Troy, a uh, really nice media. It, it was just it was just a really good Grey Cup experience. Did I see a picture of you online holding up a giant Thai Cats logo? Was that you? Yes, was that was me. Yeah, that, that was you. That, yes, that was at the Eastern um, Social Party. It was like all the teams uh, in the East had one party this year instead of separate oh, that's ones. Right. Yep. And that was. Um, a friend of mine, the Stewarts. Um, oh my God, <laughs> I forget her name now. But she's my she's my Great Cup best friend, right? And she she bought that sign, and I said, "May I, may I have that?" And I went to the front of the dance floor and just kind of, you know, waved it up and down for a long time. And then uh, one of my buddies from the Super Cup crew, he took a picture without me even knowing, and it's it's a tremendous picture. Um, I, I really cherish that picture, and I saved it on my phone, and yeah, that was me. Are you talking about Laura? Yeah, Laura's mom. Yes, Laura's oh, mom. Oh, yeah, okay, I know Laura. I She went to the same yeah. high school as me. Like, she went after I was yeah. there, but yeah, I, I've, I've met Laura. She's, she's, she's good people. Oh, it was her mother. Yes, her mother bought it. It was a... Oh, very a, nice. A, a bit of a drunken um, purchase, drunken and then she was like, oh, <laughs> now I have to carry this thing around with me all weekend, but... I took off her hands for a little bit and had some fun with it. So, yeah, that I, that was a really cool picture. It, was, it came out really well. So, are you going to Regina next year? <sighs> That's a tough one. I, I, I just don't know yet. Um, the financials right now are, are a little a little slim. After, yeah, but, uh, you know, if I get lucky, I'd love to be there. You know, I would, you know how I love Grey Cups. So, um, if I can be there, I will be there. I think I think I'm going. I think I'm yeah, gonna you, go. Yeah, if you got a, if you got a place lined up and uh, I do. I, I'm sure it would be a, a great time. Yeah, in, uh, I a great cup. I mean, barring catastrophe, man, I I think I'm gonna be there. Like I and if there if I can if I can find a way to get you there, 
I- I'm going to do it. But uh, well, you know, if I'm not there, then you know you can do what I did this year and represent the pod by yourself. And yeah, hopefully the Tiger Tiger Cats are back in it, and you'll be the one doing that uh, to and out live event because. Obviously, I talked about it on uh, on our podcast we did on Friday, but tremendous honor to be there, and uh, it was a, a really great time, and I'd love to see you up on stage doing that too. Yeah, I'd just be a much bigger a-hole than you were. I, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would just be way more – not that you weren't confident, but, I, oh, man, I would have just been – I would have been so much worse. <laughs> well, the funny thing was, like, uh, you know, you helped me out with the statistics. Yeah, and yeah the I prepped you for it. Stuff. I never used them. Yeah. I know, and I brought them up with my tab, my tablet with me, and it just never really they asked asked questions that I didn't really need any of it. So I appreciate it very much, and I did my own research as well. I had a ton of stats, and I didn't use it either, but you know, it turned out pretty good, I think. So oh, it, was it great absolutely time. did, it absolutely did. We talked about that last week, but there's there's mm-hmm. no way to not mention Trav and Ty and and our brothers over at Two and Out. Yeah, no, that was that was a hell of a show, and you put on you put on a hell of a show yourself. Uh, yeah, like I always look at it, I, I get a little off topic. When I was in university, I always had a professor who said I would learn 10 facts and no matter what the questions I was asked on an exam, I would find a way to work in those 10 facts. So like I would have been up there with like sheets of paper with stats on them. And regardless of the questions, I would have been like, oh, yeah, but and I would have found a way to work all those numbers in. But no, I thought you did a hell of a job. And uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, as I said, barring catastrophe, Worst case scenario is I'll be there. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to join me there too. And then Mo after, after that, Mo, my 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 best friend Mo Stewart. That's her name. Oh, yeah. okay. There, there you she, go. She doesn't listen, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so she'll never know that you forgot her name. Yes. That that is awesome. Uh, but you know, two years from now, you're you're coming to the hammer for the great. You have to. Like I won't take oh, yeah. no for an answer. If you got to skip no. Regina to save money to come to Hamilton for it, that's fine with me. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. <laughs> Mike's uh, flu's I'll kicking be, in again. Yeah, I'll be in Hamilton. There, there's no question about it. Um, you know, I, I usually go to Grey Cup with my father or meet him there, and he wasn't there this year, so I'm sure he will be attending the one in Hamilton since he lives in Ontario. And we'll meet up, and I'll meet up with you, and I'll meet up with all the fine Tiger Cat fans, and hopefully. You know, we'll be a strong team in two years, and we'll be playing in front of a a packed uh, Tim Hortons field cheering on the Tiger Cats. So, yes, if I'm not in Regina, um, I will guarantee I will be in Hamilton. So I had this conversation with Joe Pritchard, our buddy from the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast, Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan who I know is ecstatic that his Bombers finally won a Grey Cup. We were chatting back and forth. Him and I have always had this running joke where I said, you know, let's for the next decade – do Ticats Bombers in the Grey Cup. We'll split them 5-5. We'll all be happy. It'll all be great. And he said, well, next year it's in Regina, and you know that Winnipeg always wins the firsts at that new stadium, so like you're, you're not going to win it next year. Winnipeg is. And I said, you know what? I will trade you 2020 if the Ticats can – I will take one extra year on the drought if the Ticats can win it in 2021. And he said we had a deal. So, I mean – it's written in stone, man. Winnipeg's going to go back-to-back, but 2021, the Ticats are going to win it here in Hamilton. Wouldn't that be the perfect end to the Grey Cup drought where there's 35,000 screaming Hamiltonians in the stands cheering on the Ticats, their first Grey Cup, in what will have been 22 years? I mean, if you're writing storybook endings to to something like that, like that's the perfect one, is it not? It would be, and it would be a, a nice throwback to 1972 where they won the Grey Cup at home against the Riders. Um 
But, you know. I still want to win next I, year. I, I'd rather be back-to-back. I mean, that would be <laughs> even better. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so let's kind of wrap up the Ticats 2019 season a bit here. And let's just talk. We, we, we did a little bit of it talking about the Grey Cup. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the season? What, what were you happy with? Again, obviously we have to take out, we have to kind of not remember what happened on Sunday, but overall, were you satisfied with the Ticats this year? I mean, it's hard to not be when they went 15 and three, right? Oh yeah. I mean, extremely satisfied. I, as we all know, um, and my legs know, I was uh, predicting a <laughs> nine to nine season and uh, they exceeded those expectations uh, wildly. Um, you know, you look at how it all went down. With, we've talked about it many times, but Jeremiah Mazzoli going down and maybe, you know, we had our question marks, especially me. You know, I thought the season might be over. Oh, not, so, not just especially you. I, I was right there with you, pal. We were neck and neck on that one. Yeah, so, you know, especially at that point in time, um I wasn't expecting much, and they came out, and they were stronger than ever. They put on a great performance down the stretch. They finished 15-3, and three, uh, the best record ever for a Ticats team. Uh, they made it to the Grey Cup. You know, they had uh, numerous amounts of All-Stars. They, they, you know, almost swept, really, the, the award ceremony. They did a really good job there, you know. I don't think you consider this season a disappointment. I was, I was really happy with it. It it was fun to watch this team dominate teams week after week after week, just expecting them to win. And uh, so for that reason, I, I just I just don't think you can consider this season just a disappointment. No, I, I don't think you can. Like it's disappointing they didn't win the championship. And course, I think yeah. rolling into a Grey Cup with including the playoffs, a sixteen and three record. We were rightfully sitting here a week ago talking about how, like, yeah, of course we're going to win this. Like, and I don't think any fan of a team with that record would have thought otherwise going into a Grey Cup matchup. I think, like I've mentioned up the top, those those Stamps teams from a couple of years ago. I think there's no way that Stampeders fans didn't go into those games going, we're gonna we're gonna bowl these guys over. Like, no no doubt. But all in all, like you mentioned, 15 and three, highest scoring offense, stingiest defense. They're getting sacks. They created turnovers. I didn't go to a single game this year that they lost. Every game I attended, they won, uh, except for maybe the preseason game. I can't remember if they won that, but it's preseason, so who really cares? But I went to all 10 home games, including the playoffs, and I was in the building for the 64-14 to 14 route of the Argos, which, I mean, if that would have been the highlight of the year, that would have been... Like in any regular Ticat season where they go ten and eight or nine and nine or whatever, we're sitting here still talking about that sixty-four to fourteen drubbing that they put on the Argos. Like they did so many things this year that made me reinvigorated as a fan. Like dealing with teams that are constantly mediocre is tough, and we got to come on here. I mean, it makes it easy for the show because there's good and bad to talk about, so it makes it I feel a little more balanced. But this year, it was like universally good stuff, man. And I won't lie, that made me much more anticipatory of sitting down and recording this with you. Like every week, I enjoy that you and I get to sit down and talk football for an hour or so. 
But I'd be lying if I said that this year wasn't the most fun I had simply because I knew going in we were going to be happy, jubilant. We're going to be cracking jokes of how much fun we're having because the team's kicking ass. So, yeah, despite the fact that, you know, the season didn't end in the way that we had hoped, I don't think you can look back on the 2019 season with and, and really think of any sort of failure except for the fact that they just they didn't win the Great Cup. But other than that, this year was great. And like I said, I think this is the beginning of something special, not the end of. Yeah, when you're a team that wins consistently, you know, it makes us look like less of idiots compared to a team <laughs> when they're when they win one and then we're like, oh, this team is really good and they look great and all this, they're going to win the next one. Then they lose one and we're like, oh, they're not that good. And then they win one. So um, I appreciate the <laughs> consistency definitely of a team that was 15 and three. And, and you're right. I'm very optimistic about next year. We're going to have to see how this offseason plays out. But, uh, you know, I think we'll get back most of the parts. You know, we're not going to get everybody back. That never happens. So we're going to lose some guys, but uh, – I think we'll be able to retain most of them. Uh, not just retain guys, but this team has shown an ability, like I said earlier, to scout Canadians, yep. Americans. Like at this point last year, did anyone even know the name Jalen Acklin? And he's contributing in the Grey Cup. He was the team's top rookie. Frankie Williams was a, a return guy and a reserve defensive back. Jamal Roll, who was a backup this year, led the team in interceptions. Dylan Wynn was a guy at this time we didn't know was going to be a tie catch. Garrett Davis, like, we knew who he was. Tunde, we watched Tunde Delicate go from spot starter and special teams guy to literally a CFL all-star at the safety position. Yes, this this team's going to lose guys. We're going to talk on the next episode about the laundry list of free potential free agents that are, that are now currently tie cats that might not be come February. And it's long, and there's a lot of good players on that team. I think I counted 15 of the starters from Sunday's Grey Cup are currently without a contract for 2020. Some guys might test the XFL. Some guys might go to the NFL. Some guys are going to go to different CFL teams. It's, that's the nature of the beast. But with what we saw this year and with what I know of the front office for this team, it, this this doesn't feel like an end of a run, of end of a of a dynasty. And even, they're not a dynasty. I'm not I'm not saying that, but. This feels like the beginning of something special here, and I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I just I don't feel like like this core is not going to win a championship. I think losing in the manner they lost, I, I think, might galvanize them in the same way that I think looking back, it kind of galvanized the Calgary Stampeders. I think they had such an easy go of it during the regular season, and they they never got their butts kicked like this in a Grey Cup, but they they always found a way to to not win it, and then finally the pieces fall into place, and they just said kind of enough is enough and they kind of put the boots to Ottawa a year ago in Edmonton wouldn't surprise me if this Ticats team over the next couple of years does the same sort of thing maybe they lose another one maybe they then win one maybe you know what I mean like, I I just as good as Montreal looked this year let's see them do it over a longer stretch of time uh maybe, you know what I mean like I know there's still questions about whether Hamilton can do it because it's the first real good season they had but I don't know I just I I feel like we're the top dogs in the East right now, and I don't see them getting off that perch anytime soon. So, 2019 was a lot of fun, but I'm hoping 20. We just, I just need one more, one more win in 2020, and, and and I'm just I'm that much happier. Yeah, and I think it's it's a stepping stone, right? Uh, this happens to a lot of teams in a lot of sports. They get to the championship, they lose, they learn, and then they move forward. I think this is a big learning experience for Orlando Steinhauer. I think. 
he was a bit shell-shocked on the sidelines during that Grey Cup. He had an expression on his face, a little smirk, like, oh boy, um, this is not going well, and uh, I have to learn some things. You know, he's a great coach, obviously, but but I think he's going to learn from this and move forward, and and we'll see what happens. I, this, you know, it hurts right now, but um, going in the future, this could be a good thing. It could. What wasn't a good thing, however, Mike, and this is where we'll end the show this week, is looking back on our preseason predictions, our standings predictions. Our championship prediction was really good because we both picked Hamilton and Winnipeg to make it to the Grey Cup, and I picked Winnipeg to win the Grey Cup at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, I yeah. guess kudos to me. It's it's a, it's a fire victory, but you know what it is. Uh, the two of us also had Hamilton winning the East, and the only other standings predictions that either one of us got right is I had Calgary finishing second in the West. Otherwise, we were abysmal at this. Looking back, I think is kind of fun. Uh, the East standings, for instance, I had Hamilton, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal. You had Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa. Oh, I guess you had Ottawa in last, so I was wrong. You had you had, you had two correct. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Uh, in the West, it was. Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Saskatchewan, Edmonton for me. You had BC, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and Saskatchewan. Like I said, I had Calgary in the right position and the red. That was that's a one for ten or one yeah one for one of ten showing for us. That is not good. Our playoff predictions were completely wrong throughout the playoffs at the start of the season. I had Saskatchewan and Ottawa in the East semi. You had Calgary and Toronto. Nope. Uh, in the West semi, I had BC at Calgary. You had Edmonton at Winnipeg. Nope. Uh, in the East final at Ottawa and Hamilton, you had Calgary and Hamilton. So we both got the Ticats right there. Uh, in the West final, I had Calgary and Winnipeg. You had Winnipeg and BC. So we both had Winnipeg right there. And then, of course, as I said, Great Cup, we both had the Ticats and the Bombers. You had the Ticats winning. I was hoping you'd be right. I had the Bombers winning. So not a very good showing there. Even worse. And this just makes me laugh. We picked five of the six player awards to start the season, Mike. If you were to guess how many of these we got right, what would you guess? Zero. <laughs> that is correct. Zero. The mm. closest we came is I had Stanley Bryant as most outstanding lineman. He was the nominee from the West. You had Riker Matthews for most outstanding lineman. You had the right team, just the wrong player. Uh, and I had Jeremiah Mazzoli as MOP, so I had the right team and just the wrong player. But otherwise, it was an absolute mess. We both had Justin Medlock as most outstanding def- uh, special teams player. Didn't even get the team nomination. I had Andrew Harris as most outstanding Canadian. You had Mike Jones. Also, mm-hmm. neither of them were <laughs> their team's nominees. Most outstanding defensive player, we both picked Adam Big Hill. Also, oh, I guess we got the right team there because uh, Willie Jefferson won, but no. And then you had Mike Riley and I just – Shows you how different the league looks in June from what it looks like in November, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, a lot of that was due to uh, quarterback injuries. You know, yeah. it changed a lot of stuff that happened. Um, not with me in BC. Uh, that was just a complete whiff. But, uh, you know, a lot of people had expectations for BC. It just didn't turn out that well for them. So, yeah, it's, t- it's tough to predict um in the cfl it really is it's such such a wacky league so many things can happen and they did this season so we did over unders as well and this this was a lot of fun but injuries also played a role in this as well so for jeremiah mazzoli we had over on passing yards both of us at 
just uh, you know half half a yard under 5,000. Obviously, that was wrong. We had the over on combined pass and rush TDs at 33 and a half. Obviously, that was wrong. And rush yards, though, we had under 44, 449.5. We both picked the under on that, so we got that one right because, as we all know, Jeremiah Mazzoli got hurt. Sean Thomas Erlington, we both took the over on scrimmage yards for him at 874.5 and got that wrong, again, because he got injured. Brandon Banks, you picked the over on... 1,399.5 receiving yards. I picked the under, Mike, and you got that one correct. So good for you. We both took the over on 9.5 touchdowns. We got that. You took the over on 89.5 catches. I took the under, and you nailed that. So you got all the speedies correct. So uh, pat yourself on the back for that one, buddy. Uh, right on, right on. Yeah, I, I suspected he'd have a big year, and he did. Yeah, but you didn't expect MOP because you had Mike Riley. So good job. That's true. But That's it still true. counts. It still counts. Luke Tasker, obviously, some of our predictions here uh, were wrong. Although you got two of these, two of the three of these right. Uh, you picked under 1,100 yards receiving. You got that one. I took the over. We both took the over on seven and a half touchdowns. And Luke Tasker missed some time and didn't find the end zone once in 2019. So we both took an L on that one. But we both took the under on catches at 89.5. So we both nailed that one. So. Not looking too bad for you in the receiving category. Three or three on Speedy and two or three on Tasker. Not not too shabby, Mike. Yeah, not too bad. You know, uh, you know how my feelings towards Luke Tasker wasn't his his biggest year because of injury, but uh, I'm hoping to see him back in a Ticat uniform next year. I don't I don't know what his fate might be, but uh, if he's not injured, I think his numbers will bounce back uh, quite aggressively. Okay, but don't get too ahead of yourself because next up is Mike Jones. Oh, boy. And 799.5 receiving yards. He did not come close to that. You had the over. I had the under. I take that one. Touchdowns, two and a half. We both took the over. He also had zero touchdown catches in uh, 2019. So that was a big whiff for both of us. And we both took the over at 39 and a half catches. And he was under that with just 22 on the season. So... Obviously, looking back, I recall you took all these overs simply because you said he was going to be the top Canadian in the league, and that did not materialize, and you took an L on that one, 0 for 3. Yeah, that wasn't – top Canadian in the league wasn't even close. It was not a big year for Mike Jones, obviously. Um, I don't know if he's going to be around anymore, but uh, we won't get into that. That's too bad because, you know, it, it seemed like leading up to this year, his building – and maybe this was going to be a breakout season for him. Uh, and, you know, it, it probably wasn't his fault. You know, he just didn't see the ball enough. So it, it's too bad, but that's uh, the way it goes sometimes. This is where I start playing a little bit of catch-up with you, though, here. Braylon Addison, you were not as high on him at the start of the season as I was. 80, 849.5 receiving yards. I took the over. You took the under. We all know that he had over 1,200 yards receiving this year. TDs at three and a half. We both took the over, so we both nailed that. Catches at 69 and a half. You took the under. I took the over. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. I nailed all three correctly for Braylon Addison. You only nailed touchdowns, Mike. So do you recall what it was about Addison that made you a little skeptical? Was it was it the uh, Brian Timms factor? I think it might have been the Brian Timms effect. Um, I, I, I liked Braylon Addison at the beginning of the season, but... Maybe I thought that um, you know someone else was going to get be that second receiver and he would maybe be the third option. But obviously, I was way off. Braylon Addison is is 
you know, in my opinion, could be a number one receiver in this league on on any other team. Um, and he showed it. So uh, kudos to him for proving me wrong, and kudos to you for, you know, uh, having great confidence in Braylon Addison. Being ridiculously homerishly optimistic, yes, that is exactly mm-hmm. what I think I was. Yes. Uh, flipping to the defensive side, sacks for the defensive linemen. We both took the over on nine and a half sacks for Jagarrett Davis and nailed that one. Uh, Adrian Tracy, six and a half sacks. You took the under. I took the over. You score on that one. We both took the under on six and a half sacks for Ted Laurent and both nailed that one. Even though Ted Laurent had an amazing season, his sack numbers weren't there, mostly because Dylan Wynn, Jagarrett Davis, and Julian Hauser decided to eat the quarterback all year. I mean, when you when you get 13 from the guy beside you on the end in Davis and you get 11 from Wynn, not a lot of bones left for you to pick there. No, I mean – and we expect that from Jaquera Davis, and we know we we knew that Win was a great player coming to the season, but eleven sacks for an interior defensive lineman is is a tremendous year. Yeah, hopefully he's back next year as well. He's also a pending free agent that we'll get to next week. Jamal Westerman, we both took the under on seven and a half sacks. He did not see the field, so we nailed that one fairly easily. Simone Lawrence, 74 and a half tackles. We both took the over, thinking he'd have a bounce back year. If I'm not mistaken, I think our reasoning was with Larry Dean gone that Simone would take a larger role in picking up some numbers. I don't think either of us thought he would be the East's top defensive player, but uh, we did have some faith in, in Simi Hove getting uh, above 75 tackles, and he leads the league in that category, so we look pretty smart there. He did look pretty smart, and you know we talk about Simi Hove all season long, and he's been uh, he's been tremendous. Um, he is Tiger Cats football. I know people don't really like him in the league, and that's fine. He's our guy, and I don't care what other people think. So he uh, he showed that he's the leader on this defense once again. Tunde Adelike tackles at 49 and a half. We both took the under and he exceeded those. I think he got 52 this year. And the one that I think we were the most bullish on to start the year, special teams touchdowns over two and a half. And I think we flew by that by about week four. Brandon Banks, I think, had, I know he had one against the Argos. I think there was a return touchdown against the Riders in the opener, if I'm not mistaken. And I think by the time... They played well, – maybe it would have been the Calgary game. I think that's when Banks had a second return. So we flew by the, the return totals very early, and then they slowed down. But by then we already hit the over, so it didn't matter. Yep, yep. We, uh, we had a pretty good year in the return game. You know, the, the touchdowns weren't through the roof, but, uh, you know, they did a great – Frankie did a great job. Speedy B did a great job when given the opportunity. So I expect that uh, moving forward to be um, part of Tiger Cats football, you know, all three phases including special teams, gaining those yards, giving our offense, you know, some good field position. So it was a great year for them. So this is the last one, and I think we're going to need a ruling from the judge on this one. Aaron, uh, or Adam, I'm sorry, not Aaron. Why did I say Aaron? Adam gave us these over-unders. I think we're going to need a ruling from him. Dane Evans scrimmage yards at 549.5. I took the under, you took the over. When I hear scrimmage yards, I think of rushing and receiving numbers. I don't know if this included passing yards. If it does, Mike, you get the point, whereas I don't. And it's the same with touchdowns at seven and a half. Is that was that meant to be rushing touchdowns or passing touchdowns included 
If it's the latter, then we both wrong with an under uh, on that. But if it's if it's or if if it's if it's rushing touchdowns, we hit the under. If it's combined touchdowns, we're wrong. I this is something that I think is I, I'm going to have to leave up to the judge on this one to decide who who gets the points here. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a gray area there. I'm not sure. And it was, you know, going into the season, how are we supposed to know that? Uh, you know, Mazzoli would go down, Dane would step in and, and be and pile up those numbers like he did. So we'll get to Adam about that and he'll get word back to us. So the tally stands at on just the over under predictions as they stand now. Now, I have decided that for Evans, the under for scrimmage yards and the unders for touchdowns are the correct picks because I use scrimmage yards, as I said, rushing, receiving and touchdowns. I figured rushing touchdowns. If we just go on the over-unders, Mike, you had 15, I had 14. So you won the over-under. Now that gets bigger if Adam decides that uh, these yards count as passing yards as well and passing touchdowns, then you would nail the over on scrimmage yards for Dane Evans, so you would even get a bigger lead. However, on total predictions, Mike, you finished with 18 correct out of how many we did. And I finished with 19. So this Dane Evans scrimmage yards thing could be the deciding factor. It's huge. It's huge. And we have $5,000 on this. So. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> if, if, we, if I win, you owe me 5000 If uh, If you I win, win I you owe me nothing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that, that was the deal, Josh. That, that seems was totally deal. fair. That seems totally, yes. totally fair. Yeah. What mm-hmm. – uh, what a weird season 2019 was, man. Just looking at these old predictions from way back when, and it, it shows that we can we think we know what we're doing. We think we know what we're talking about. I like to think of us as knowledgeable fans, but uh, yeah, sure. it's uh, it's it's not easy to do this at the beginning of the year. I mean, even though we ended up with this with the correct Grey Cup pick at the beginning of the year, the road to travel there that we thought was going to happen. Did not happen, and I think that that's just what makes sports great. At the end of the day, yeah, it's like you turn in your math homework, right? And you get the right answer, but the way you got there was completely wrong. So, you know, that's that's how it felt. And the teachers like, how did you? Well, what's going on here? But uh, you know, in the end, we got Hamilton, Winnipeg in the Grey Cup. You got your prediction right of at the beginning of the season of. Winnipeg taking it at all. I was wrong with Hamilton, but uh, we got some stuff right and we got some stuff wrong. It's just the the way it goes. I mean, part of the predictions, there was a Bombers fan who, I don't think he was chirping us uh, online, but said, hey, if you want to hear a a prediction that didn't uh, age well, go to this minute of our last show. And I was like, yeah, that did not age well. And I ended up getting into a little bit of a conversation with the guy. And it's it's just one of those things, man. It's it's sports. I, I think you... You can look at things from a bunch of different angles and, and think you have the right answer, and then something weird and wacky or unbeknownst happens on game day, and you never know, right? Like any, it's it's probably why people love sports so much is that pretty much anything can happen. Yeah, it's the ultimate reality television show. You know, it's it's actually reality. You know, nothing scripted, anything can happen, and when you put your opinions. Uh, when you record your opinions and put them out to the public, you know, you're bound to be wrong here and there. And, and part of the fun is, is sometimes being wrong. It's, yep. I, I don't think being wrong proves that, Oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about or anything like that. I think 
like in just talking about last week, Grey Cup, I think we came at it from a very statistical basis and and looked at the numbers and and formed our opinions based on that. And sometimes we just form our opinions. Like whenever we do game picks, it's just kind of like gut feeling in some cases. And sometimes those are right. Sometimes those are wrong. But I mean, part of the fun is going back and going, wow, what we thought this, why did we think that? And, but it's like you said, it's, it's the ultimate reality show. It's any, anything can happen, man. It's, it's, it's just fun. And I look forward to doing it again for the 2020 season, but, uh, we're not, we're not done for 2019 yet. There's a ton of news that just came out uh, that we will get to the next time we have a chance to record. We just figured we didn't want to do a two-and-a-half-hour show that uh, people don't want to listen to, most of our right. listeners, yeah. because of the Ticats losing to Grey Cup. So we'll give you this little taste of Grey Cup stuff and uh, some of our thoughts on the year. And then uh, whenever we have a chance in the next couple of weeks, uh, whenever our schedules line up, we'll, we'll sit down and, and talk about all the – crazy wacky things that are going on in the CFL. It seems like the season literally just ended six days later. There's still so much to talk about. It it never ends. Yeah, no, we got another football league coming into the fold. So that even throws another monkey wrench into, into everything that could happen. Uh, Of course the XFL and you know, we've, we had enough to talk about when it's just the CFL players going which way and the coaches and all that. So yeah, it's the, it seems like every off season it gets more and more exciting there's more and more news and i don't expect anything different from uh this off season coming up do you remember when it felt like the gray cup would end and then that was kind of it to talk about the cfl till till pretty much the start of the season like free agency wasn't a big deal and the the coaching movement no one really paid that much attention to and now the cfl seems like it's a it's a 12 month a year business like every other professional sports league and and I, I think the prolifer- pro- uh, pardon me, it's easy for me to say there. The proliferation of sort of podcasts and fan blogs, and now what we have with Three Down Nation, like I think that's to sort of our credit. And I'm not taking, you know, I'm not patting ourselves in the back, but I think fans and, and and people realizing that there's a thirst out there for CFL content all year round, I think is is one of the reasons why it never really leaves the news. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it used to be that, you know, the the mainstream media would, well, a lot of them would ignore the season, uh, the whole season, and then just talk about the Grey Cup, and then it was over, and then it'd be another year. So not all of them, obviously. There's some great uh, CFL coverage out there, but you're right. I think the a lot of the podcasts doing it off-season, talking about what's going on in the off-season, engages interest from fans that want to hear about the team, want to hear about the league. So, yeah, it's not a pat on the back to us, but pat on the back to the uh, to the fans and um, the people who want to talk CFL football all year round. Yeah, believe me, I got. I'm already looking at the list of news to talk about, and it's the size of my arm already. And that's yeah. without what could happen this weekend and and before we get a chance to record. And that's without any new coaches being hired. Like Kahari Jones is staying in Montreal is something we're going to talk about, but there's still three coaching vacancies out there. And like, who knows what's how that's going to shape up and how that's going to turn out and when we're going to have a chance to talk about that. But yeah, just, it seems like it never ends, but uh, the season has come to an end. And unfortunately it came to an end in an inglorious fashion for our Hamilton Tiger cats. That uh, also means the podcast has come to an end, Mike. So that, that was Podski Weewee for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.